The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The Bloomberg Invest Conference had some of the most influential leaders in finance gathering in New York for conversations on a wide range of topics, including artificial intelligence, cryptocurrencies, and global trends in wealth management. At the conference, Bloomberg's Shanali Basak spoke with Brian Armstrong, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Coinbase, starting with the latest on how regulators are cracking down on crypto. Just yesterday, uh, Coinbase and the SEC have been kind of in this months, maybe years long dispute here over uh, de defining a lot of the crypto environment. And they brought a certain amount of charges against you, to which uh, your chief legal officer yesterday told me that you guys are willing to fight this pretty significantly. When you saw those charges brought against you, what is the first thing you did and how, how far do you think you're going to have to go here? Yeah, well, this was not um, unexpected. You know, we've been in discussion with the SEC for a long, long time. Even going back to before we were a public company, we started sharing with them how we operate our business, how we list assets on the platform, how we think about our staking pro program. And through a large number of dialogues back and forth, they allowed us to become a public company. Um, you know, we had many discussions with them in the last year when their, their tone started to change. And they started to come to us with more questions about the business. So we were very forthcoming. We met with them probably 30 times over the last year. Um, and we started to kind of ask them for feedback. And we said, you know, we, we would like there to be a robust market in the U.S. to trade crypto securities. Of the 1,000-plus assets we've, re we've reviewed today, we've rejected 90% of them. The ones we trade, we believe, are commodities. What feedback do you have for this for us? How can we come in and register? How can we work together? And unfortunately, we were met with silence. Uh, we really got no feedback in those 30 meetings. Um, the first meeting where they were scheduled to come and give us feedback, they canceled it a few days before that, and then we got a Wells notice a few days after that. So it's really unfortunate. We work with regulators all over the world, other regulators here in the U.S. Um, I think I've, I'm a reasonable person to get along with, um, but unfortunately the SEC under you know, this chair has taken a regulation by enforcement approach instead of creating a clear rule book in the U.S. that can allow this industry to be built in a safe and trusted way. You know, when was the last time you personally met with Gary Gensler, and what did you say? Right. So when he first came in as the chair, um, I, I flew out to New York. I, may, I reached out to him. Our team has reached out. I tried to make an effort to connect with him in person because that's what I try to do whenever a new regulator kind of comes in. Um, unfortunately, we were not able to connect at that time. I'm not sure why uh, we couldn't get on his calendar. Um, and we followed up a few times in the, in the year after that. We eventually got a meeting that was virtual. It may, you know, it may have been COVID-related or something like that, but we were able to get a, a virtual meeting. But unfortunately, it was frankly like a pretty icy reception, I would say. Um, you know, I, we sort of came in hat in hand and said, hey, Chair Gensler, you know, you, you've asked people to come in and register. Respectfully, we're here to register. What would you like us to do? What, what um, process would you like us to go through? And his response was, um, you know, talk to your lawyer. I'm not here to advise you. And um, that was kind of how the conversation started. And so and at that point, you know, we realized um, there was a gap. <laughs> you know, we felt like this was an important technology that we felt um, needed to be built in a safe and trusted way here in the U.S. 
in a way that consumers were protected. And um, I don't know what his motivations or, or pers you know, his personal views were, but it didn't seem like he was on the same page. So what does this mean for you if the government cracks down so hard on crypto, on Coinbase, the SEC, does Coinbase exist in five years? Absolutely, we do. And I want to make an important point, which is that um, the SEC chair may have a certain point of view, but that's not representative of the whole U.S. government. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. I would say um, the SEC chair is, is a bit of an, is really an outlier here, kind of um, in the U.S. government. So when I meet with members of Congress, I think the broad consensus, probably amongst 80% of people I talk to on both sides of the aisle, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty reasonable view they have, which is we don't know exactly what this technology is going to become, but we're seeing every other major financial hub in the world move towards clear legislation. We need to make sure that this innovation happens in the U.S. in a way that, again, let's just protect consumers, let's apply some, some basic good ideas around AML KYC and audited financial statements and make sure there's no wash trading. Let's create a clear market structure where you know, businesses can understand which CFTC, SEC, who should, who should they talk to about which types of assets. So Congress is, is recognizing this. And the, the White House is as well. Actually, the Biden administration put out an executive order about a year ago um, kind of asking all the branches of government to sort of say, get your act together on crypto. We don't, there's some risks, but there's some real important opportunities with this technology. Let's create a clear regulatory framework. Will you fight this all the way to the Supreme Court? Do you think you'll have to? And do you have the financial resources to do that? Yeah, so um, even if this takes some time, uh, that, you know, that's okay. Um, we, we, we've, so in Q1, we were adjusted EBITDA positive as a company, even in the depths of this crypto bear market, if you want to call it that. We have over $5 billion of balance on the balance sheet. Right. So, um, and, and frankly, even though that this complaint came in from the SEC, it's really business as usual today. Right. Uh, we're continuing to trade the assets that we have on our platform. Um, you know, we trade over 200 assets on our platform. The SEC complaint mentioned just 13 of them. So a relatively small percentage of the assets we trade. Um, we also have business overseas and other countries. We, we derive a lot of revenue from other sources that are not related to trading fees. So um, you know, Coinbase is well capitalized and um, adjusted EBITDA positive in Q1. I think we're going to be fine going to court. In fact, um, it's a relatively small portion of our company that, you know, we have a great legal team, policy team, et cetera, that's working on this. And what I really want, you know, 90, 95% of the company to be focused on is just building great products for our customers and making sure we don't lose sight of that. And so this is a very serious matter that I'm going to work on with a couple of our executives. Um, but really, the vast majority of the company needs to keep building because that's how this technology is going to ultimately benefit a billion people, hopefully. How long does the regulatory overhang last? The reality is this could take many, many months. And do you think that your investors might lose some faith or even your customers while you go through this? Yeah, well, I mean, look, this is not a new concept, right? Um, there's been lots of discussion. The SEC has had rhetoric around this for several years that I think has influenced the market. Um, and so the investors in Coinbase are, you know, comfortable with that if they're because they're, they're it's all public, right? And it's not like some secret thing that's being revealed. Um, and I think they're taking a long-term view that um, Coinbase is a very different company. We're kind of an N of one, right? We're we're really the only company that was based here in the U.S. that went public, that has audited financial statements, that's taken a compliance-first approach. Um, you know, even in this recent SEC complaint, by the way, that came out yesterday. It was unfortunate they, they sort of did it back to back with other, another complaint that went out there. And I, you know, that may have been intentional to try to conflate the two, but I think people are smarter than that and they recognize that um, 
you know, this complaint against Coinbase, there were no allegations, <clears throat> no allegations of uh, misappropriation of customer funds. There was no allegations of wash trading. You know, myself and the executive team were not named personally. Um, it's really debating this more technical legal question of are some of these assets commodities or are they securities? And um, I think that's something the court will have to decide to sort of get some legal press, some case law out there, which will ultimately benefit us because we, that's what we've been asking the, the SEC for for a long time is how do we get more clarity? So if we need to go to the courts to do it, um, it's not our first choice. We'd rather the, the regulator had just published a clear rule book. But if they're not going to do that, the courts are there in the U.S. to avail ourselves of. So part of this was about securities <clears throat> being registered or not in terms of how they're listed on your exchange. But part of this was about staking also. So staking obviously is becoming a more important part of the crypto ecosystem. Do you plan, based on how the regulators are treating staking, to wind down your staking service? No, we're not going to wind down our staking service. Um, again, as these court cases play out, it's really business as usual. Uh, we're going to continue to operate that. Um, you know, snake, staking only represents about 3% of our net revenue, but it is a, um, it's a very important function in the crypto uh, community. And it serves an important part of these decentralized blockchains. And I guess I should mention also that um, you know, Coinbase's staking product is, is architected and built um, in a way to be compliant. And we actually think it's materially different than some of the other ones out there which have been called staking. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're going to continue to operate our staking business. So if users wanted their funds back in the staking service at this point in time, does Coinbase have the ability to service that at scale in case that there is a larger run on the staking business? Yeah, so um, you know, staking is really something that's a decentralized uh, part, of, part of these decentralized protocols. So Coinbase is really just, um, you know, it's a pass-through mechanism. We're helping people access these decentralized protocols. So some of the decentralized protocols have, for instance, like a lockup period of, you know, some number of days when you initiate the withdrawal request. And so we're just making that kind of information available to the customer. Um, but it's, yeah, you know, all the, the funds are there backed one-to-one. -one. When, you're, when you're staking something, it's being pledged into these, um, these decentralized protocols. And we actually don't even have the ability to, you know, move it somewhere else at that point. It's, um, we're just giving people access to these decentralized protocols. Should the business face withdrawals? Does that have a material impact on Ethereum's price? And how does Coinbase prepare for something like that? Um, I'm so, what do you mean? Is there kind of a broader run that you have to be prepared for? Oh, well, OK. So in, in our business, we're not, we're not a bank, right? We don't do fractional reserve. Um, and so there's not really this concept of a run, right? All the, all the funds are there backed one-to-one, -one and you don't have to take our word for it. You know, our, as a public company, we have auditors, Deloitte in this case, who's gone in and verified all of that. You can kind of confirm it in our financial statements. So, um, you know, if people want to withdraw funds, 100% of it is there. There's no such thing as a run, really. So how do you answer the question of, you know, on one hand, there is SEC that is, uh, you know, causing a big overhang in terms of both you guys and the industry. Uh, on the other hand, just financially, you know, rates are higher <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. People are more inclined to keep their money in a bank. Why should they keep their money with you? Well, what's interesting in crypto, um, there's been the evolution of something called stable coins, right? And so um, we're actually uh, in consortium with another company in Circle in the space. We've, we've created a USD coin, which is the second largest stable coin out there. And um, as you mentioned, interest rates in this environment, that's been both a good source of revenue for us, but it's also something that we've um, passed along to customers. So 
uh, customers can actually uh, earn rewards on USDC um, and get, get access to some of these higher interest rate environments. Broader question, not just about Coinbase, but about the industry. As you know, more regulatory enforcement actions come to the forefront, how much of an overhang do you think that will have on crypto pricing? You know, it's hard for me to say. It was actually kind of surprising. Yesterday, with, with this complaint that came out, crypto was up, um, which I would not have expected. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it means that people it knew something was coming, but they expected it to be worse than it, than it actually was, or... Um, um, if they just felt that you know they're they're still a believer in it or something, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't try to predict what's going to happen in these markets. You know, <laughs> uh, we don't operate a hedge fund or anything like that. Um, we just want to provide a good service to our customers around the exchange and all the products we offer. Before I let you go, I want to ask about not crypto. I want to ask about artificial intelligence. We've been okay. talking about it all day. As a crypto entrepreneur, how do you see uh, AI, do you see it as a competing factor uh, in terms of dollars going towards technology? Do you see <clears throat> dovetailing with your industry at all? Well, AI is certainly one of those couple really important technology trends that the U.S. needs to get right along with crypto. And I think we're seeing a similar question start to happen in Congress along with crypto is like, hey, how should this be regulated so it can be done in a safe, trusted way? Um, I do think there's a couple interesting intersections between AI and crypto. Uh, one of them is that, you know, in the world of AI, there, it, you know, it's so easy to mass generate things, whether it's a news article or images. Um, and so the provenance of those and the authenticity of it can be a little bit hard to figure out. And in a world of crypto, one of the great things about crypto, you know, with NFTs and whatnot, you can actually have a digital signature that proves, um, you know, this was issued by Bloomberg or um, by Brian Armstrong or whoever. So I think it could be useful to track the provenance of creative works, whether that's text, audio, video, etc. Um, the other thing that might be interesting is that a lot of these, these you know, bots or autonomous agents um, in the AI sphere they're going to need to go get things done in the world, right? People are already using them to sort of say, hey, order my groceries or, you know, maybe build this website and spin up this server. And so they're going to need um, financial money. They're going to need money to go do things in the world, these, these uh, AI agents. And so I think that actually in the future, you're probably going to see a lot of crypto transactions happening between AI agents or um, AI and various businesses around the world, because crypto is kind of the native money of the internet. The internet, internet is global, it's decentralized, every country, everybody in the world can participate in it. Um, and so it wouldn't really make sense to use um, you know, the dollar or the euro in a truly global context if you, you, know, you want to be country agnostic. So I think AI will use crypto more. How much are you actually working on that future? Mm. Um, so, our, we're not trying to build something that is um, allowing bots to like transact in crypto at the moment, but what we are doing is we're building good infrastructure, you know, picks and shovels, if you will. So with Coinbase Cloud, for instance, um, we're making our APIs around how crypto is stored and transacted and commerce happens. And we're just exposing those kind of like Amazon Web Services, but to any business that wants to integrate it. So I suspect more businesses will integrate that over time and some of those may use AI. Um, we're also using AI in our business in a few other ways. I mean, we use it a lot for fraud prevention. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, we get people uh, signing up, putting in stolen credentials and things like that. And so we've developed a lot of really good um, machine learning to detect that. And, um, you know, we're occasionally, we're testing it in a few other areas too, just like around 
actually, like, you know, our design teams, um, they'll sometimes look at um, Midjourney or Dolly and sort of generate an interface using AI. Or at least, like, you know, show me five ideas for what an interface might look like. Um, to do remittances in crypto or for content creators to uh, have a direct relationship with their audience and what would the interface for that and AI is just like a great assistant it, you know it doesn't I don't think AI really is taking people's jobs it's taking tasks off their plates largely to make their jobs more efficient and so um, having like a you know a research assistant or someone like that you know a tutor a mentor a therapist whatever everybody can have one of these um, paired with them and I think it'll just make humans more productive that's Coinbase co-founder, chairman and CEO Brian Armstrong speaking at the Bloomberg Invest Conference with our own Shanali Basak. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Bloomberg Talks podcast available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.